You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. But I wonder, how well do you grasp the God-man, Jesus Christ being God in the flesh? How well do you grasp that? How well do you, uh, um, or do you grasp it? It's something pretty hard for a finite mind to be able to wrap our minds around. But uh, Jesus Christ, as we're going to see here, uh, the, the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, it's cool that we're going through this because one of, the, one of the fundamental and really one of the number one things considering a biblical worldview is the fact of origins, where we came from. And so as Bible-believing Christians, we believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We believe in creation. Uh, but we as Bible-believing Christians, we believe uh, that Jesus Christ as God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. And that's what we're going to see here in just a moment. There's a lot of people that will give lip service to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I may have mentioned this Sunday, so I don't want to say a whole lot about it, but there's a lot of people that will give lip service. Not too many people want to be negative toward Jesus. Have you ever noticed that, really? I mean, uh, maybe the things of God, uh, you know, like Chad was saying with, uh, you know, there's been the darkest day or whatever. Uh, But for the most part, as far as other religions and stuff go, they don't really have too much bad to say about Jesus. Most other religions... Uh, They want to claim Jesus in some form or another to be a prophet, to be a good man. Uh, Not many other religions just put him down and and cuss him, you know. Um, But they have the wrong Christ. And I told you that Jesus, the the Jesus of the Bible, the biblical Jesus, uh, did claim to be God. He did claim to be the creator. And so, you know, as I mentioned before, a good person doesn't do that unless it's true. Uh, A prophet that isn't God doesn't go around doing that unless unless they are indeed God. And I'm just saying that because Islam calls Jesus a prophet. Oh, he's a prophet. They give him that nod. Uh, The Buddhists and stuff, they'll say, we believe Jesus was a good man. But again... He either was who he said he was, or he, he was either crazy or a terrible deceiver. But I want to tell you that I know him today, <laughs> and I can tell you that he is who he says that he was. The truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. So first, let's look at it. We're going to look at verses 15 through 17. Uh, the Bible says there in verse 15, well, who is, and of course this is referring back to the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, who is the image of the invisible God. Isn't that a statement? The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. What in the world does that mean? For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers or things or, uh, or let me see, where was I at there? All powers or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. So the truth about Jesus, what we find about uh, Jesus Christ 
that the person of God is revealed in Jesus Christ. The person of God is revealed. Now we see that he's the creator, and we'll uh, start with that. Uh, having finished his opening remarks that we've been covering up until this week, he now comes to grips with the main issue that's at stake in the Colossian church, and that is false teaching about Christ, false teaching about what the church is. False teaching about Christ, about who Jesus is, false teaching about what his church is. First, he addresses the truth about the absolute deity of the Lord Jesus Christ as the creator and as the sustainer of the universe. The false teachers were very confused about creation. They taught that matter was evil, including the human body. They also taught that Jesus Christ did not have a real body since that would have put him in contact with evil matter. The results of these false teachings were tragic, including extreme excuse me, ascetism uh, on the one hand and then unbridled sin on the other. So they thought if everything is evil, if everything physical is evil, then we need to uh, not enjoy, not indulge, not uh, take part in anything of this world that's pleasurable. Then there was others that said, well, if all things are sinful, we might as well just dive right in. And, uh, that was, and by the way, we still have those types of philosophies. We still have those two extremes we, uh, that we live with today. We think more about those that just indulge in everything. And uh, it's pretty amazing when you see the, the intentional assault. Uh, you can actually, man, here I go off on something here again, but it's just fascinating. You can actually, uh, the, the communists are interesting. Uh, they actually write down their plans. <laughs> and, uh, and they'll write down step by step what their plans are over the next number of years. Uh, and, and they have several of these that are manifested, but one of those uh, plans concerning America was to hit us in a moral sense and to try to get us to be as immoral as possible because they understood that one of the great strengths of America was our morality and our belief in God and our belief in absolute uh, morals and definite and fixed moral conduct and laws. But so we think about that, but then there, are, there is the other extreme as well. Uh, but we're going to get right into these verses. First of all, the, the, the person of God is revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see, look there in verse number 15 again, he is the image of the invisible God. Now, Paul used the word image to make this fact very clear. See, image means an exact representation and revelation. An exact representation and revelation. The writer to the Hebrews affirms that Jesus Christ, he says this in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus is the express image of his person. So Jesus is the express image. He is the exact representation and revelation of God. Now, the Bible, Jesus said this in John 4, that God is spirit. God is a spirit. And so in his essence, God is invisible. But Jesus Christ has revealed him to us. And, uh, and that's what the Bible says in John 1, 18, we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of God. 
Nature reveals the existence, power, and wisdom of God. Everywhere you look, you can't get away from God's power, wisdom, and beauty when you look around at creation, the essence of God. But nature cannot reveal, I'm sorry, the very essence of God to us. It is only in Jesus Christ that the invisible God is revealed perfectly. Now, he's revealed in the Word of God, but as far as a physical manifestation, God, his essence, is revealed perfectly. No mere creature can perfectly reveal God. However, Jesus did because Jesus is God. He said, well, I thought that he was the Son of God. Well, he's the Son of God, but he's God the Son. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Well, is it three gods? No, it's not three gods. It's one God. In one, it's, 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 one, it's one God, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Uh, and, you know, again, somebody said, somebody said it this way, that if you, try to, if you try to explain the Trinity or the triune God, uh, you may lose your mind. But they said if you try to explain it away, you may lose your soul. <laughs> and if you're saved, there's no danger of that. But you understand what they're saying there. Uh, we can look at threes in nature. And I'm not preaching about the triune God tonight as much. Uh, but we can look at so many threes in nature, so many things that we know are made up of three parts within creation. It's a very common thing within science and biology. Uh, you know, somebody looks at it that way, uh, you know, a plant having three parts, different things. Somebody said, you know, we're body, soul, and spirit. Which is the real me, my body, my soul, my spirit? Well, it's all me, all right? It's one person. Uh, somebody tried to look at it as an example. You think of an egg, you know, the shell and the white and the yolk or... Uh, or the fact that I'm a son, and I'm a father, and I'm a husband. Three in one. Well, which are you? Are you a son, or are you a husband, or are you a father? It's like I'm all three. Um, but again, the fact of the matter is, those, those arguments and examples always break down because uh, we have an infinite God that we can't quite wrap our minds around the triune God. However, one thing is sure, that Jesus is God the Son. The finite mind cannot conceive of the eternal and invisible or immaterial God. This is the driving force, by the way, behind the incredible folly of idolatry. They want a God, man wants a God that they can see and touch, and that's why uh, there's the thing of idolatry. People make their own gods. Jesus, he is that God. He is God in Focus, someone says. He is the one who gives visible expression to the invisible God. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says this, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Listen to this next phrase. God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto the gentiles believed on in the world and received up into glory that's jesus god manifest in the flesh uh, emmanuel god with us and it truly is the wonder of wonders isn't it that the lord would come down through the womb of the virgin i mean to to to, to grow within the womb of mary i mean to be born there as a baby 
and there can you imagine Mary on that first Christmas morning whenever she holds the Lord Jesus Christ that baby in her hands that she is actually holding the creator of the entire universe right there within her hands I mean God in the flesh right there he is see he didn't become God he is God and we'll say more about that in a moment God manifest in the flesh his birth wasn't his beginning he was manifested he was manifest in the flesh so in other words he did not become God at some point see some people say that he didn't really become God or something till his baptism uh, I, I remember I, if, if you are you know no big deal but I'm, I'm just generally I've not seen too many actors that I've seen play Jesus that I've liked uh, because that's a pretty hard role to play isn't it but I can tell you there was this one movie we were trying to watch or something I think it was the one that the History Channel did not too long ago or I shouldn't say the History Channel did it the touch by the angel lady and her husband did it and, and, over, and overall I think it was the one that they did but the, overall it was done very well this could have been the History Channel one. I don't want to blame this on them but I know I was watching one and when John came or when Jesus came to watch John baptizing and John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, uh, this particular one I was watching, that the Jesus play in this film was kind of like this. Basically. And it's like, that was not the case, okay? Jesus wasn't like, what? Uh, who? <laughs> you know, at all. Uh, he was God, and he knew he was God. He knew who he was. So God became man without ceasing to be God. The human and divine were blended into one. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. I love this, by the way. Study the genealogies, and they're all for a purpose, by the way, in the Gospels. Uh, there's a genealogy, you could, well, or not, uh, of Jesus given in each. Matthew, there's a genealogy that relates to his relation to David. Uh, to, to David because uh, the gospel of Matthew is primarily it's focusing on Jesus as the king because the Old Testament prophesied that the Messiah will come he will be the king but hold on Luke focuses on the part of him being a man that's where we hear more about him being born and being a baby and everything uh, Luke was written more from the, the the perspective of wait the Messiah is going to be the man behold the man and then you get to Mark, and well, there's no genealogy at all. Because the, the, God said, the Messiah, he said this, Behold my servant. And that's how Jesus is depicted in the Gospel of Mark. And so it does not start with the genealogy. He just gets in and just goes to work. I mean, but listen, you get to John. And John, the message he has for us is, Behold your God. Amen. And that's why the Bible starts off in John chapter, the Gospel of John, and the very first word says, In the beginning was the Word, with a capital W. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. You get down to verse number 14 of John chapter 1. The Bible makes it a little bit more clear who this word is, if you hadn't figured it out. And the word was made flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Now, uh, G, what, but basically the thing we under, need to understand here, the cool thing about the Lord Jesus Christ and His deity is what God is, Jesus is. When we think of God, we think of Jesus. What God did, what God does, Jesus does. In other words, you want to know how God is? Go look at the life of Jesus. Go read the words of Jesus, and you will see how God is. Uh, what God is, Jesus is. What God does, He does. What God says, He says. There is no difference between the God in heaven and the Jesus on the earth. Jesus was able to say this in John 14, verse number 9. I wonder if anybody's thought of this verse yet. John 14, verse 9. If you have seen, he that seeth me hath seen the Father. You want to see God? Look right here. You want to see the Father? You're looking at him. You see, the fa you see me, you see the Father. See, the blending of the human and the divine in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ was just like the seamless robe that he wore, woven throughout to be one indivisible whole. See, it's impossible with, you know, it's with, with the robe that he wore, with maybe some of the clothes that we wear. This may not be the exact case with all the clothes that we wear, but it's hard to see where, where, where it starts and where it ends. They're just all blended together into one. And that's how Jesus is as far as his humanity and him being God. They're just all, it's all blended together. As a man, he was born, grew up, went to school, worked as a carpenter. By the way, can you imagine going to school with Jesus? And I know it was different the way the, the learning and education was back then. But can you imagine that? Can you imagine growing up in the home? I wonder what it had been like to raise Jesus. You ever sit and think about that kind of stuff? What, 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 what it would have been like? You know, Jesus, he never got in trouble. He was never rebellious to his parents. He always honored his father and his mother because he's the one that said, Honor thy father and thy mother. So guess what he did? He honored his father and his mother. I mean, I mean, he, what he, the, the things that he did, have you, some of you, you ever seen the little car, cartoon, you know, about, uh, you know, a little baby walking on the water? We know he didn't do that or anything, but the fact of the matter is, if you could just imagine, what was Jesus like growing up? Uh, he was a perfect uh, person because he did not have the ability to sin. He was, uh, so he was born, he grew up, uh, he went to school, he worked as a carpenter, I was about to say Jesus knew what it was to hit his thumb, but did he really? Did he just always hit the nail on the head? I imagine he probably did. But seriously, though, he knew what it was to feel pain. Jesus knew what it was to be tired. Uh, Jesus knew what it, he, he experienced all of these things. See, the Bible says that he was tempted, or in other words, he was tried or put to the test in all points as we are, yet without sin. Jesus did not have sin in him, therefore he never committed sin. He didn't have that ability. But every other experience that we experience, he knows what it is to experience. He became tired, he became hungry, he became thirsty. At the same time, he was God. Think about this. As Jesus walked the earth, what happened when he came into contact, Evan, with people that were demon-possessed? The demons recognized him immediately. See, they recognized 
When they saw him, they saw the Father. And that's why they said, you know, things like don't torment us before our time. And, you know, uh, they, they recognized uh, who he was. Demons recognized him instantly. And they were terrified. He turned water into wine. He fed thousand with the, thousands with the lad's lunch. He could walk across the waves and still the storm. He could cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, and raise the dead. The only way that he could die is if he laid his life down. Remember on the cross even, the Bible says he gave up the ghost. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. I mean, he was man, but he was God. Uh, he was sometimes being man and other times being God. He was always man and he was always God. He was always both. There's a, there's a cool illustration in the book. And, and boy, anybody know that? There was somebody wrote a great song years ago about he was, he, you know, he was so much man that he slept in the boat, but he was so much God that the wind ceased when he spoke. He was so much uh, man, you know, that, that, uh, that, that he was hungry, but he was so much God that he could feed the, the, feed the 5,000 men and so forth. He was, but it was just, he was man, but he was God. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, there's a cool illustration. Hebrews 10, verse 19 and 20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. So the veil that was in the Jewish temple was symbolic of Christ. It was linen and displayed uh, three different colors on it. It had the color scarlet, the red. It had blue. And what was the other color? Purple. It was blue, red, and it was purple. And it had other images on there that also represent who Jesus was. By the way, this is interesting because when the Bible says in, in John 1.14 uh, that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, that word dwelt in John 1.14 is literally tabernacled. Tabernacled. Uh, it's cool. You can study the tabernacle. You can study the Old Testament, man. You see Jesus all over the place. But, it, but the veil is no exception to this. So the red on that veil, that symbolizes his humanity. See, did you know that the, that, that the name Adam, Adam's name actually means red or red man because he was brought forth out of the clay? Blue is the color of heaven, where he came from as God. But what about the purple? The red represents his humanity. The blue represents his deity. But what happens, Mrs. Lilly in art class, if you take an equal amount of scarlet and an equal amount of blue, and in this case it's dye, scarlet dye and blue dye, and you mix them together until you can no longer tell where the red ends and where the blue, uh, blue begins. What do you have? Purple. <laughs> okay. Uh, but you have purple. You have violet. But you have the purple color. The purple is something new. And it results from a perfect blending of the two. It's the same with Jesus. He was man. He was God. 
the two natures were perfectly blended. That's how he was. Was he man? Was he God? Yes. He's both. And, you know, there, there's the old thing of saying, uh, oh, well, he, uh, he was, what, was he half man and half God? No, he was all man, he was all God. You say, well, those percentages don't add up. I don't like that. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I am not expecting to be able to explain this in, in a way tonight to where our finite minds can be like, got it. I totally understand how deity and humanity can perfectly mix together. No big deal. Let's move on. Because I don't understand that. But you know what I do? I believe it. I believe it. Um, and uh, you said, well, I want you to explain better about Jesus being God. That kind of throws me off. Uh, I, 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 I'm not, not to say that it cannot be explained better than I can explain it, but still, you're not going to have it to where, uh, to where it's equivalent to being able to write down 2 plus 2 equals 4. Okay, got it, let's move on. For those of you, uh, for the analytical among us, thank God for you, uh, but listen, you're going to have to just learn to accept some things. Okay? You're going to have to, you say, well, what do we do with it? Well, we believe it, but so what we ought to do with that? We ought to praise Him. I like this. Uh, the, the, take, think about the invisible God again, where this verse started at. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1.17, it says, Now unto the king immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Anybody be able to sing that verse? That's a good verse to sing. Uh, kids, you want to come over and sing it with me? Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. I'll stop before I embarrass myself. Is it too late? Uh, praise Him. To, unto the King eternal. Okay, I need to understand that eternal part. Immortal. I need to understand that, preacher. Invisible. I really need to understand that. The only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You know what we're instructed to do right there? Instead of warping your brain over it and getting a headache, hey, think about it a little while. That's fine. Be, be a thinker. Be Analyze. I get it. But, buddy, let me tell you something. Somewhere along the line, the way you need to end, let me help you to analyze this. You're watching closely. It goes something like this. Woo! Thank you, Lord, that you're bigger than me. Thank you, Lord, that you're bigger than my calculator and my spreadsheet and my whatever else, you know. Thank you, Lord, that you're immortal, eternal, invisible, the only wise God. Praise Him. But not only to praise Him, but also to perceive Him. Hebrews eleven twenty seven says, I love this, By faith He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Seeing him who is invisible. That's all about Moses. We ought to praise him, we should perceive him. Or in other words, we should see him. And I was looking at that word about seeing him who is invisible. I looked up that word seeing right there. And there's an interesting progression in the meaning of the word uh, horeo is the Greek word that means to gaze to gaze, to look intently on. Look, look, listen, to gaze, to look on with wide open eyes as at something remarkable. Isn't he remarkable? Amen. I'm going to sing this one again. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? 
Isn't Jesus my Lord wonderful? I decided not to sing that one, but, but he's wonderful. Seeing him who is invisible. Hey, looking on something remarkable. Gazing at something remarkable. I do that on a daily basis with my beautiful wife. But I want to tell you, how much the more with God Almighty manifest in the flesh, the only wise God, manifest, loving, gracious, eyes wide open, looking at something remarkable to discern clearly by extension to experience, to behold and to take heed. All that goes together. It kind of progresses there. Perceive him. So the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ is he's the creator. He is the image of the invisible God. That's what the Bible says there. Who is the uh, image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And that leads us to uh, our last point here over the next uh, few minutes here. We see the image of the invisible God, but now look, let's look at the implications of the incarnate God. God incarnate, all right? Now, the firstborn of every creature. What does that mean? That's confusing. Uh, it's confusing, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like this. I tell the kids this all the time. Uh, you know, they'll be doing some math or something, and, or, or whatever it is that they're learning. And then I said math, and then they, and that, and math or whatever it is. And I said, it's hard. But pretty soon, you know what they're saying? Oh, this is easy. I think that's easy. And then what happens? Why is it easy? They learned it. Once you learn it, it's not that hard, is it? Uh, and then you go into the next thing, and I'll say, no, it's hard again. It's hard because you need to learn it. Just learn it, then you got it. But it's the same way with this. This is confusing until you learn about what it's saying. But at first glance, you're like, wait a second. How can he be the image of God and the firstborn uh, of God? See, the, the, the thing that you've got to understand is, is, is what this word means, biblically speaking, in the biblical context. And again, the way that we can learn that is just by studying the Bible. Um, the term firstborn does not refer to time, but to place or status. Jesus Christ was not the first being created since he himself is the creator of all things. If you have one of uh, uh, these, uh, the, the, the Russellites, uh, the, the so-called Jehovah's Witness, but they're false Jehovah's Witnesses or Jehovah's false witnesses. Somebody said that, but Jehovah doesn't have false witnesses. All his witnesses are true. But the JWs, this is one of the verses they like to use. See, Jesus was created. See, they, they, they do not believe in the deity of Christ. They do not believe that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. They believe that he was just a man. Uh, Mormonism. Mormonism believes that Jesus Christ is a God. Uh, they believe that he's a God. He, they, just like, and, and I'm not going to get into all that, but they do not believe that he is the God of the Bible, the, the creator of the universe. Uh, is that not right? The creator of the universe. He is the God of this planet, uh, basically. Anyway, that's according to Mormonism. Michael's looking confused, and he's going to uh, uh, come at me with some stuff. But I'm telling you, they do not believe in the Jesus of the Bible. They don't believe that he is one with the Father in that uh, sense, uh, or in the biblical sense of the word, okay? 
Uh, so the firstborn does not mean that Jesus was created. Firstborn simply means first, listen to this, firstborn, what's it mean to us? Okay, it means what it says. You know, from my understanding, it means you're the first one born. But biblically speaking, firstborn means of first importance or of first rank. You say, well, that's confusing. Why don't it just say that? Um, well, because uh, this was obviously an understanding, especially among the Hebrews, Solomon uh, was certainly not, the, not born first of all David's sons. He was not the firstborn, yet he was named the firstborn. Psalm 89 verse 27 also said, Also I will make him my, fir I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth, Firstborn of all, creation means prior to creation. Prior to all creation. Jesus Christ is not a created being. And we know that because the Bible just said he created all things. So he's not created. Uh, he's not a created being. He's the eternal God. Now, again, as confusing as this is to us, the Old Testament expression, firstborn, had, listen to this, why is it confusing? The Old Testament expression, firstborn, throughout the Old Testament, had very little to do with being born first. No wonder it's confusing to us, but it didn't. You can just go read it time and time again. I'll not give every example of that, but routinely, the actual firstborn was set aside in favor of a child that was born later. Any of you firstborn kids identify with that? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the firstborn would be, the actual firstborn would often be set aside for a child that was born later. Jacob and Esau is an example of that. Reuben was the firstborn from the way we understand it, but God says, no, 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 uh, you're not going to be the one that gets the rights and the, and the privileges, uh, so you are not the firstborn. So routinely, uh, the, uh, the, the firstborn did not refer to uh, being born first. Throughout the Bible, it was primarily a title indicating rank and privilege. So we see the, uh, the, the person of God revealed, but then we see also the power of God revealed. Just look quickly with me in verse number 16. For by him, again, here we go, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Now, I'm not going to be able to finish this point tonight, but I at least want to introduce this point. Jesus Christ created the universe. Since Christ created all things, again, He Himself is uncreated. The, the, the very first word of verse 16, for by Him, uh, this, is an this is another example of our English changing uh, throughout the years. For by Him. This, is, this, this word for right here is used the same way it's used in Acts chapter 2, is at verse 38, where the Bible says, Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. The word for here means because. Now, we don't speak this way very much, but if we were to use the word for in that context, as has often been used, we would say something like this. 
I'm going to go get something to eat, for I am hungry. Uh, I, I want to uh, spend time. I, I went out on a date with my wife, for I wanted to spend time with her. Now, we don't use it very much in that context, but you can think back not too long ago, it was used like that a little bit more in our English language. So when it's saying, for, by him, it's saying, because, by him. Uh, and just what it carries the idea of, him being the image of the, first, uh, the, image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for, because, uh, 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 all things were created by him. All things were created by him. Any honest scientist, when we talk about him creating all things, any honest scientist will tell you that the best science can do is to theorize about the origin of the universe and all herein. The only way that one can speak with authority as to the beginning of things was either to be there themselves or to have someone who was there when it happened tell him about it. In other words, this kind of information is derived not from a process of reasoning because the required facts are not available to understand exactly how God created the universe or exactly how the universe came about. You say, well, I've heard some really good uh, explanations. Whatever you've heard, you've heard theories. We have laws and facts that we can look at today that can help us to get some kind of understanding of it. But the bottom line is, no one that we know, well, no human we know was actually there. Uh, and it can't be recreated in a laboratory. You can't go do a test and say, okay, here's how you take absolutely nothing and make everything. So you can't do that. Uh, so you theorize. You theorize. So... Understanding origins is not a process of reasoning, of the require or reasoning, but it is uh, from the process of revelation. See, someone was there when all things were created. Someone very reliable was there at creation, the Holy Spirit of God, and He repeatedly informs us that Jesus Christ created the universe. He's an eyewitness, and he tells us how all this came to be. That's the first part of a biblical Christian worldview. He made it all. He made it all. Everything, all things were made by him. See, someone very reliable was there to inform us of this. This is not a matter of reasoning, but a matter of revelation. This position upsets the secular humanist. You want to know why? Because no one can contradict on scientific grounds the statement that Jesus Christ created the universe. So what do they do instead? Since they can't really refute it on scientific grounds, they can refute it all they want to with what they say, but I'm talking about scientific grounds. Therefore, with an agenda that does not involve the pursuit of truth, they wish to exclude this teaching from the world's youth. I'd say from our nation's youth, but from the world's youth. But folks, He is God Almighty. He is the Creator. All things were created by Him and for Him. Even as believers, I believe sometimes our picture of Jesus can be way too small. What do you think of when you think of Jesus? I wonder. 
What do you think of when you think of Jesus? Well, I hope you have a, a good uh, macro view of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we do need to see him who is invisible. Kepler, an, astron uh, an astronomer whose experiments unlocked the secrets of astronomy, Ke uh, Kepler, he said this, O oh God, I am thinking thy thoughts after thee. I am thinking thy thoughts after thee. This is how, when he's really beginning to, under, he's beginning to get a grasp on astrology. Um, I'm sorry, on astronomy. Uh, uh, not on astrology, on astronomy. He, and he says, oh God, I am thinking thy thoughts after thee. By the way, astronomy good, astrology bad. Okay, just mark it down. Astronomy good, astrology bad. Uh, but I'm thinking thy thoughts after thee, Kepler said. It is no wonder that the winds and waves obeyed the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> it is no wonder that diseases and death fled from him. One of my favorite moments that I remember in the, the, the Bible college class we took on pastoral administration. Uh, and I've said this before, but I, it was just so cool because we would go through pastoral administration and we were using Jesus as the model. How did Jesus do this? How did he do that? And, and, we, and obviously Jesus ought to be the example for a preacher. But we, uh, we were doing a whole class on how to conduct a funeral. And they said, folks, we can't go to Jesus on this one. Because anytime he ever showed up to a funeral, man, he goofed the whole thing up. <laughs> Think about it. He didn't go to a funeral except he raised somebody from the dead. I mean, uh, man, and that just stuck, stuck out with me. That was the very first thing that was said in that class is that we can't go to Jesus on how to learn to do a funeral because uh, he always resurrected somebody when he showed up. But uh, anyway, no wonder. He created all things. Folks, he is the master over all. All things were made by him. This includes all things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. All things are under his command. Ah, Okay. I just want to finish verse 16. It's just part of verse 16, not the whole thing. The whole fabric of the, this is literally four paragraphs. The, fa the whole fabric of the, cre the created universe belongs to him. The Bible says there in verse 16, For by him all things were created in heaven and earth and, that, and so forth. And the Bible says they were created by him and for him. He owns every blade of grass on the earth. It belongs to Jesus. Every speck of cosmic dust in space belongs to him. Every atom in the universe is his. Made by him, controlled by him. In Revelation chapter number 5, John weeps when no man is found worthy to open the title deed of man's destiny. No man is found worthy. Now, I'm sure there's many who would like to have the ability to govern the globe. We see that repeatedly. But the question was this, who is worthy to open this seven-sealed book there in Revelation 5? No man was found worthy, and John wept. <laughs> oh, but folks, then steps forth one, and with his nail-pierced hand, he takes the scroll, and with no questions asked, uh, he takes that scroll and begins to open up those seals. Why? Because he was worthy. But just imagine if someone did ask him the question, on what grounds do you have the right to hold this book? 
On what grounds do you have the right to rule? On what grounds do you have the right to man's destiny and the control of the universe? He could say something like this. The world is mine. It is mine by right of creation because I made it. He could say this. It is mine by the right of Calvary because I bought it. It is mine by right of conquest. I'm going to take it back by force. Amen. See, everything exists in Him, for Him, through Him. Jesus Christ is the sphere in which they exist. The agent which they all came into being, the one for whom they were made. The practical application, I guess, to all this is just simply this. Get a gaze of Him. Look at Him. Realize how great of a Savior and how powerful of a God that we have this evening. Amen? Hallelujah. God in the flesh.